So as long as it's fair, as long as it's voluntary, inequality is fine. Inequality is great. We want those who succeed to be more rewarded than those who destroy value. But in the sense of our current environment, we have really sinister inequality. If everybody, you know, if, if the water's flowing and everyone is benefiting, right? Everyone's cup is filled. Um, people are happy, right? They have better things to do than to line up outside of someone's house and threaten to chop their head off. You know, I, I don't think we should be setting up guillotines anywhere. And that's, that's why I love Bitcoin. It's the peaceful revolution, right? Um, but why do people want to set up these guillotines? Because they know the system isn't working. Um, it's not working for them. And despite, you know, working very hard at, um, at many jobs and climbing the ladders, it's still, uh, you know, the, the prospects for retirement, uh, even even the ability to afford a home today is, is just, it, it, it's, it's outside of the reach of so many very hardworking Americans. The system is not serving them. Uh, this, the system stratifies wealth uh, through asset inflation and uh, in disproportionate access to, to assets. Welcome to the Tucson Blockchain Podcast. Today I have on Shane Mullen from BlockFi. I'm a user of BlockFi. My girlfriend's a user of BlockFi. My sister and stepdad are users of BlockFi, and I'm a big fan. I thought it'd be good to bring on somebody from BlockFi just to explain what it is and why it's such a good product for people to use. I enjoyed this interview, and I hope you do too. Alrighty, and we're recording. Welcome, Shane, to the podcast. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. So, um, Shane, you're the uh, you got a pretty potential or pretty uh, uh, impressive resume. So you're the uh, VP of Business Development and Partnerships at BlockFi. So, how long have you been doing that for? Yeah, so I joined the company about three months ago. So relatively new, but in uh, in terms of our speed and growth, I'm uh, slowly becoming a veteran at this stage. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, BlockFi is one of the coolest companies out there. So could you tell us a little bit about what BlockFi is? Sure. Yeah, for sure. So we were founded in 2017. Uh, by Zach Prince and Flory Marquez. Uh, Zach actually, funny enough, was my old boss uh, at a company in New York that we uh, we worked at a, it's called Orchard Platform. It was a data aggregator in the marketplace lending space. Um, so we got very familiar with different types of alternative lenders, more specifically the peer-to-peer space. So working with companies like Lending Club Prosper, um, you know, some of the student lenders, some of the small business lenders um, ended up taking that company and selling it to Cabbage in 2018. Um, but in 2017 and a little bit early before that, you know, Zach had always been you know, interested in Bitcoin, Ethereum and, and some of the other cryptos that were out in the market, you know, more, you know, circa 2015, 2016. Um, you know, back then he had accumulated a bit of a portfolio and, you know, had a, a decent exposure um, and was looking to uh, get some liquidity out of his position without selling, right? So effectively looking for an asset-backed line of credit or an asset-backed loan, um, where he would pledge his Bitcoin as collateral and, you know, somebody could lend him 
50, 60% LTV and, you know, charge him an interest rate 12 months. He could use those proceeds, right, for, I think he was putting a deposit down on a house in upstate New York. Um, really kind of easy concept, right? Because you could own a portfolio of stocks, bonds, uh, other assets that you can take, you know, collateralized exposure from. But in, back then, no one was offering it. Uh, not no banks, nobody was, was willing to really to really budge on, on that product. And it's really because nobody understood crypto, right? Nobody understood the underlying fundamentals. Uh, no lending group had really come out and been the first and foremost, uh, you know, company to provide this type of, of lending service. And so that was the impetus for uh, creating BlockFi. Uh, we started the, he started the business as a, uh, a lending business um, for holders of crypto who were looking to access liquidity for you know a variety of, of, of reasons. And so that was 2017. Um, you know, fast forward to today, we're still driving a significant uh, amount of you know our volume through our, our lending platform on the retail side, but we've also expanded to institutional lending. So now if you're a market maker, an exchange, you know, crypto fund, a financial institution looking to come into the space. We will uh, lend crypto to those folks as well, um, or we'll lend USD financing to those folks uh, for a variety of you know investment purposes. Um, so we you know heavy on the lending side, and then we've also come out with uh, two other products. The first is being able to buy and sell, so concept of trading, um, both retail institutional. You can buy you know I think we have eight currencies that we support on the platform today. Um, and then lastly, you know, the, the flagship retail product that really a majority of our users in the last, I would say, year have uh, signed up to, to leverage is, is our BlockFi interest account. Um, so with your crypto holdings, you can earn up to 8.6% annualized. Uh, and then we pay, you know, that's on, on stablecoin. And then we pay, you know, down to about 5%, give or take on, on depending, uh, you know, collateral and type of currency that you have uh, within the system. Um, you know, all of our tools and platform is web and mobile, uh, you know, operated and, you know, deposits and withdrawals, you know, are, are as easy as, you know, on any other FinTech app that you can think of. Um, so that's where we're at today. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I got my stepdad signed up for BlockFi uh, and, uh, it was his first introduction to Bitcoin and uh, it's kind of difficult for him because he had to do a wire transfer to get money to buy the Bitcoin on BlockFi. Um, and I, I'm yeah. glad it was difficult for him because he needed to see how, uh, how much easier it is to just send Bitcoin than to do a wire transfer. Uh, but yeah. that's one of the things I love about it is just for uh, there's a, a big movement, which I'm a firm believer in, which is not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Uh, but for the average person, you know, who's just getting started, uh, BlockFi is just like a no brainer because your money is safe. Um, you're an interest on it. And uh, yeah, so uh, there's definitely risk involved anytime you give somebody your money, uh, what, what are some things that BlockFi does to kind of mitigate the risk? Yeah. Um, I think just going back to your earlier comment, totally nailed it on the head, right? You know, the idea is that 
if you own crypto and you know maybe you bought some crypto on Coinbase or one of the exchanges and it's just sitting there, right, appreciating or depreciating, you know, the goal for us is you should be moving that crypto over to BlockFi. It'll continue to appreciate or depreciate, right? But you're going to earn interest. So the value prop in that capacity is binary, right? It's you're earning interest or you're not earning interest. So I can I can totally see how you know folks who are just getting into the space would want you know to to work with a, a company like ours. Um, in terms of like risk mitigation, right? So, you know, a couple things to keep in mind about our business, right? The first is we're US based and we're 100% venture backed, right? So we never, you know, raised our own ICO or token or anything along those lines. Um, our capital comes from, uh, you know, Valor, Morgan Creek. These have prominent investors like Peter Thiel and Anthony Pompliano. Um, these are companies that invest in large scale sustainable fintech businesses, right? So that's, that's kind of number one. Um, number two is, you know, we've got a team of about 300 employees now. So we're big, we're large. Um, most of them are, you know, on the uh, product and engineering side uh, and we're starting to reach, uh, you know, a bit more global, right? To, to extend into areas that don't necessarily have these, these functions, but do have the ability to buy and sell crypto. Um, the, the, the third is our, you know, on the risk side, all of our assets, most of the assets on the platform are custodied with either Gemini or Bitco. So, you know, we have relationships, deep relationships with both of those platforms. Uh, they're, you know, effectively going to be uh, covering risk on, you know, that, that side of the house. Uh, and then the last part is we, about five months ago, hired a, our chief security officer, CISO, uh, Adam Healy. He came from Bact. He's got a tremendous amount of exposure in the space, uh, and he's building his team out, uh, and they're getting really big. So our security footprint will be, uh, arguably today, is one of the best, and it will be the best in the space. You know, come you know three to six months from now. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, you guys are really setting the standard for the space, and and I do, I do have to uh, disclose I am a BlockFi customer, and I do have Bitcoin in the account, so I don't want to like make it sound like I'm against it or anything, um, but uh, but yeah, um, and I suggest it to a lot of people because it's a good starting point. Um, so. Uh, you have a, a good old-fashioned Keynesian economics degree. How was it studying Keynesian economics in school? <laughs> yeah, um, economics degree in school. Uh, I had a minor in environmental science. Uh, I wanted to pursue uh, clean energy, uh, like a job in renewable energy. I did my you know, senior thesis on uh, offshore wind turbine uh, economics in, in Denmark. And I ended up going into uh, the, the brokerage business on the clean energy side uh, right out of college, uh, effectively, you know, brokering clean electricity uh, in, in New York. And, uh, you know, I liked it and realized that it was a pretty interesting space. Uh, and but I, I was more, I don't know, my head was more geared towards kind of the, the financial components of, of what I was doing. And then I'd always been right a technology person, so really where my head eventually went was, what's why don't I find myself on a path where the convergence of finance and technology really, right, can be what I create a career in, um, and where's the best place to do that? That's Bloomberg, 
they're the largest financial technology company in the world, right? By by maybe not a mile anymore, because you know some of these Ant Financial and some others are are pretty huge. But you know, back in 2012, they were enormous, right? 400,000 customers, you know, multiple tens of billions in market cap, private company, and they sold right the tools, the financial applications that 80 percent of Wall Street uses on a daily basis for a variety of different things in the traditional traditional sphere, right? I ended up kind of angling my interest more on the lending and mortgage side of, of the world, uh, simply because lending, I just, in credit, I thought was really unique, right? I'd always had a credit card. Um, I understood what a mortgage was, but not well, right? Which is one thing that I think society just needs to fix in general, right? Is educating people at a younger age what these things are but that's a whole other topic we can talk about um you know and i realized that like there is a huge world of lending and unsecured consumer lending credit card small business that is being effectively disrupted and transformed right in front of my eyes uh, at the time that i was at bloomberg and that was this whole peer-to-peer marketplace lending uh, industry effect that would take, took place in, you know, starting in like 2012. Um, and it's still, you know, going on today. It's just the element of peer to peer has really changed. Um, are you familiar with the peer to peer marketplace lending club space? Uh, not a ton. No. Yes. The whole idea, right. Was that, um, you know, traditionally speaking, retail investors never had the ability to get exposure to, personal loan portfolios, right? It was always banks or large investors, right? You and I, we go to, you know, down the street to Wells Fargo, we sit down in a brick and mortar location, we need a $10,000 personal loan, you know, maybe to go put on a security deposit at an apartment or whatever it may be, or buy a property. Um, that fund, that money, that $10,000 is always funded by Wells or Wells would syndicate it, securitize it, and then sell, right, that asset off to Wall Street. And then Wall Street, somebody, some private equity firm or hedge fund would own the receivable of that particular bond or asset. And every time I made my interest payment on that loan, the money would just get paid right directly to the investor. So what peer-to-peer lending did was it allowed, which is kind of similar to the world of like what I say cryptos is effectively doing, but it allowed for uh, individuals like you and I to be on the other end of that trade, right? So rather than an investor giving that person in Wells Fargo $10,000, you or I could give that person in Wells Fargo $10,000 and fund it with our own cash. And then we would actually get the interest payments and we would see the upside uh, in the yield of whatever that particular loan was. So these companies created these massive marketplaces that just connected retail sellers or retail buyers who wanted loans and retail capital who wanted to fund them. Um, and so that was, you know, the world in which I dove very deep into, right, right out of, right out of Bloomberg with, with Zach and got incredibly knowledgeable in that space, which, you know, has, has really helped kind of pave the way for my, you know, business development and partnership efforts as, you know, we scale a company like BlockFi. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, there's a, a lot of financial tools that are being offered to people that they've never had access to before because of uh, Bitcoin um, and cryptocurrency. Uh, yeah, one of the things that you talked about is uh, 
you know, the lack of financial literacy in our communities. And uh, I would liken that, I, I think it's kind of an epidemic. I, I'd liken it to, um, you know, before the printing press, uh, being able to read and write was not very accessible to a lot of people. And then um, this disruptive technology came along and provided uh, access to education and dispersion of information in a way that was never possible before. So um, I, I see one of the biggest roadblocks. So one of the things you were talking about is, uh, you know, Zach um, having issues with uh, you know, the financial industry, not understanding uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Um, one of the biggest roadblocks for people adopting Bitcoin, I think, is the financial illiteracy because we have uh, garbage money that's wrecking everybody. Um, and, uh, you know, once uh, you learn what Bitcoin is, it, it seems kind of like a no brainer. Um, and it is a complete uh, paradigm shift. Um, so what was, what was your journey like into getting into Bitcoin and, you know, just decentralized money in general? Yeah. That's a, it's a great question. I, and I think too, like financial education, financial literacy has to be a focus or a focal point for the future or things are really, we're going to have a lot of situations where folks are either a getting taken advantage of or B not necessarily understanding what type of advantages they have, um, which, you know, creates multitudes of issues, but um, you know, my experience with crypto, uh, I had read about Bitcoin and Mt. Gox, you know, back in, uh, it was probably 2013. Uh, at the time, it was trading at, you know, pennies on the dollar. I couldn't buy it because I had no clue what was going on. I was not that technically savvy. Um, I continued to follow it. Uh, I think the article I read was on TechCrunch, and, it was, uh, and I continued to follow it um, throughout the years. I never purchased Bitcoin because it it always was a little bit out of my, uh, like, I think at the time Coinbase, you couldn't buy fractional and it was always a little bit out of my, uh, you know, dollar appetite or just, I didn't even, you know, at the time I just didn't have like tens of thousands of dollars in savings, right. To just purchase like five Bitcoin. Um, so what I did in 2014 was I bought, um, some Ethereum and read a bunch about, you know, Ethereum and, and the Ethereum protocol and just, you know, application, uh, proof of work, proof of stake, the evolution and effectively, you know, put, I don't know, decent exposure in Ethereum, use that kind of as my wedge into this industry. Um, got really like into some of the podcasts and, and following, you know, some of these, uh, these influencers on Twitter, you know, the whole nine yards. Um, but then it, it, you know, it kind of fell off for me. I think I was thinking, I was really looking at getting, a, uh, you know, changing my career and, and kind of altering what I was doing at the time into not necessarily cryptocurrency based companies, but distributed ledger technology companies. So companies like Corda and, and you know, Ripple for what they were doing. Um, but I ended up just staying on the path that I was on in traditional kind of fintech, which is a funny way of saying, funny to say traditional fintech now that it's evolved so much over the years, but, you know, staying at a traditional lending company, right, that 
provided, you know, credit to people. Um, and I continue to hold my Ethereum investment, right, which allowed me to continue to be interested in the space. But, you know, professionally, I went into um, helping you know, freelancers and 1099 employees get access to their pay early uh, in the form of what we call like early wage advances uh, at a company called Quill, which was really interesting business model and a really interesting company because, you know, gig economy has exploded right over the last three or four years. So I rode this, this marketplace went lending wave and then I jumped onto the gig economy wave and I've been riding that, you know, until, you know, earlier this year. Um, and now we're on, you know, this, this enhanced crypto wave. So I've always had my thing, you know, my uh, pulse to the market, but, you know, from a, from a deep dive hasn't been professionally anything until, you know, when I joined, joined these guys. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, the gig economy uh, growing has been a very, very interesting phenomenon. And I think just what came to mind uh, is the more I've learned about taxes, the more I've learned about how a lot of uh, companies are actually being penalized for employing people. Um, and it is kind of like a growing trend. So like in Seattle, there's yeah. like a head tax on people. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the role of employers has definitely changed through the years, I think partially due to like inflation and, and unsound money, but um, uh, that that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so how does, how does a uh, BlockFi calculate your interest rates or decide your interest rates? on the interest bearing accounts. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it, it's a, it's a compounded interest rate, right? So it's an APY and your percentage uh, yield, I believe is what that stands for. Um, we set the annual rates based on the demand in the institutional space. So remember earlier how I was explaining, we lend to institutions and we lend to retail. Well, when we lend to an institution, we typically lend at an interest rate, right? that they're paying us that is higher than what we are paying our depositors, our retail mm -hmm. depositors. So if you put in, you know, thousand dollars of USD C or GM Gemini USD, you're going to earn 8.6% on that. We'll typically take that and then we'll lend it out at 10 or 12, right. Or whatever it may be. And then you're able to capture the sustainable yield, right. By putting your money in a block by account, we're able to capture margin and revenue so we can keep our business operating and growing and support, you know, more folks like yourself. Uh, and then the, the borrower on the institutional side is able to borrow stable coin or crypto at a rate that's favorable that other places are not able to offer to, op, you know, to, to power their businesses and do things with, with those funds. Um, so everybody in that chain of events, right, is, is gaining value. Um, and in terms of changing rates, you know, we don't change rates often um, because we lock in terms with our counterparties at longer durations, right, than some of the other players in the space that, that you've heard of. What I mean by that is when an institution in that same example wants to borrow $1,000 from us, right, but just let's throw like three or four more zeros on there, we typically say, great, we can do that, but the term of this, of this relationship is 12 months, right, meaning that that particular loan that we're issuing to that institution, they're paying us back 12% over 12 months, 
right? So we know that that's never, that 12% is fixed, right? It's never gonna change for that particular deal. Um, therefore, our interest rates are synthetically fixed, right? Versus DeFi and, you know, other players who just mint their own tokens in some capacity to pay interest. Those are not fixed, those are variable. Um, so that's the, one of the really, really nice things about our, our platform. I always, I like to use the term sustainable, right? Because our yields are going to sustain at their levels over time without a tremendous amount of fluctuation at all because on the other side where we're driving that yield from is locked in the longer term relationships. Um, it's a key differentiator of what we're doing um, and you know, allows us to continue to pay customers healthy yields, right? Through, through different, different different market environments, depending on what's happening in the space. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, well, thanks for explaining that. Um, yeah. The, the compounding interest is probably one of the most attractive uh, parts about BlockFi. So if you sign up uh, for a BlockFi account, you'll get um, the interest monthly at the beginning of the month. Mm -hmm. um, so like if mm -hmm. you're, dollar cast averaging into Bitcoin, um, you're buying it on uh, Coinbase, don't buy it on Coinbase, buy it on Cash App or something. Swan Bitcoin's a good one too. But um, so you're putting your Bitcoin in every month or couple weeks or so, and it's it'll earn interest and you'll get paid in uh, cryptocurrency of your choosing. So if you want yep. to get paid in uh, uh stable coins. I don't know why you would, but if you did, um, you could, uh, earn that or you could get paid in Bitcoin. Um, and that, I mean, that's just a really cool feature. So most people are moving backwards when it comes to interest. Uh, why, why is earning compounding interest such an important thing? Yeah. I mean, look, compound interest is what generates wealth. Right. Um, I think a good way to visualize it is, you know, for anyone listening, if you go to our website, uh, we've got an interest calculator uh, on the interest products page. And you can actually go on there, uh, type in the amount of crypto that you hold or would like to deposit, select your time horizon, and then we'll instantly output what your um, you know, expected interest would look like or estimated interest would look like uh in real time so it's 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 cool to see right with you know certain certain buckets uh of assets held over a longer period of time you have that exponential growth of interest you do not have a linear growth right that's i think the biggest thing to think about um and that's really where like real wealth management right comes into play it's how do i create an exponential return versus a linear return um and then to your just quickly earlier uh we are rolling out ACH functionality uh, in the next like couple months or like month here where you'd actually be able to just connect your bank account via plaid and just buy dollar cost average and buy Bitcoin awesome. directly on our system via ACH. Yeah. So awesome. no, not, no, you can wire still international wire, obviously move your crypto over to our wallets, but you'll be able to ACH as well, which is a huge value prop and will be for us going forward. Yeah, that's great. I'll make sure to tell my stepdad cause he had problems yeah, with the wire. Be three, yeah, it'll be like three clicks for him instead of, you know, six or seven. Yeah, so I, I pulled up the interest calculator. So I'm doing it with 0.5 Bitcoin, which is almost $6,000. Um, for 12 years, you'll be earning 300. That's, that's monthly. 
or sorry, not 12 years, 12 months. Thanks. Thanks for correcting me. Um, <laughs> 12 years, yeah. you'd be earning a lot. <laughs> yeah. 12 years, you'd be earning a ton. Okay. So 12 months, you, you'll earn uh, $359. So that's, you know, if you put that money in the bank account and you're holding it in cash, you're going to be earning nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 0.06% APY, right? So just think of that, about that for a second. It's all well, it's 0.6% is really where they're, where they're sitting at. So 60 basis points of annual yield is what like Marcus by Goldman Sachs pays in their, in their account. You know, you're, I bet you, if you went on your bank's website right now, you know, if, if you, if you bank with Chase or any of the big ones, or even this, like neobanks or anyone, their savings account yields are going to be below 1%, right? Ours mm -hmm. are eight times that, um, which is, you know, uh, it's just a testament to how crypto can offer, right? Healthy returns in environments where, you know, we're not correlated to the government printing $2 trillion more in assets and the equity market's tanking. That, that's, that's not really a correlation that we typically see on a longer term basis. Therefore, you know, the ability to take or, you know, create yield off of an asset like this is, you know, everybody should have some of their dollars invested in it in some capacity. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And uh, yeah, so the interest calculator, I just plugged in uh, $6,000 and a stable coin for 12 months, you'd be earning almost $10 a week, which totals up to 516 for the year versus a yep. bank account that yields nothing. So again, yep. it just seems like a no brainer. Um, yeah. And then if yeah. you wanted to, I was just going to say on the, uh, you know, the interest payment flex piece too, right. That we talked about earlier. Super cool. If you wanted to put 10 grand in there, six grand in there in USDC, you can select to earn Bitcoin. Right. So your cash just sits there. You can withdraw whenever you want and it just sits there and it earns Bitcoin for you. It just mints Bitcoin at an 8.6% clip. So you can yeah. effectively become, you know, use your USD to become a crypto investor uh, without having to spend anything. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's just so many good aspects of BlockFi and why I like to, to tell everybody about it. So it, probably a question that you get a lot, I know the answer to it, but I'll ask it anyways, is uh, is BlockFi FDIC insured? Uh, we, are, we are not FDIC insured. Yeah, because we are, we are not a bank. So some people might hear that and, and be a little bit wary, but um, my personal opinion, I think that's a good thing because what a lot of people don't realize is that FDIC insurance is essentially um, uh, kind of a guarantee that, you know, the lenders will operate reckless, <laughs> recklessly because they know that there's a potential insurance on their policy. So that means that you guys are a little bit more, well, are forced to be a little bit more prudent um, in your lending. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, we look, we custody all of our assets, as I mentioned, Gemini and Bitco, both of them have you know, healthy insurance policies on, on, you know, their risk. We've never lost a dollar. We've never even had a defaulted loan, right, to date. Um, so, you know, 
that will continue to be a pillar uh, of you know KPI that we track to for you know for the forever, right? Because that's that's incredibly important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so where do you see like over the next ten years? It's things are moving so quickly, so it's hard to make any predictions. But where do you see the future yeah. of finance going? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I wish I had the answer, right? Could uh, use my answer to invest accordingly. But um, look, I I think cryptocurrency is here to stay 100%. Uh, we have already seen very large, very forward thinking, uh, innovative organizations putting money into Bitcoin for the long term hold. Um, we are seeing really, really, really smart, intelligent people coming into the cryptocurrency world from the traditional finance world because they see so much value. Um, the way that the government, just any central government today is operating, not any, but most in the, in the form of quantitative easing and more specifically in the U.S. where interest rates are, you know, this is not going to change, I don't think, for at least three to five years. Uh, stimulus will continue. The effects of COVID will continue to ripple through the economy. And we need a way or a place or an avenue to hedge that risk, right? Um, and make sure that, you know, our money is actually making money and we're continuing to grow wealth uh, in times that are, that are tricky when, it, when, you, when you think about it from a fiat perspective. Um, so I think there's going to continue to be a lot of businesses that provide similar like financial products. And what I mean by that is when you go to a bank, right, you can get an auto loan, you can get a mortgage, you can get a, you know, HELOC, you can get a savings account, a credit card. I think you're going to see a lot of those products being built with digital assets as the core uh, currency infrastructure powering them uh, and built on blockchain technology. I think that'll be a, a trend for sure uh, over the coming years. Um, and then I also think you're going to start to just see a lot of this stuff go a lot more digital than it already has, right? Like the day of going to a bank branch is most likely for everybody has, or for a lot of large demographic is passed. I think it's going to ripple into the, you know, the, the older generation, but I think Gen Z below that, no one's going to be using a bank branch, right? You're seeing financial technology companies coming out that provide savings accounts and checking accounts to teenagers, to children, right? To, to young adults. Uh, I think they're going to grow up right with their bank account and their bank being on their phone. Uh, and that's just going to continue to spur more, you know, digital acceptance of things that traditionally might've not been digital. Um, so, you know, in our perspective, writing that thesis, right? If you think that that thesis is going to be accurate, which we do, uh, you know, our next product is going to be a credit card in, in 2021, uh, Q, Q1 or Q2. And the credit card is going to be traditional, right? You swipe fiat-backed Visa card, you know, bin sponsored bank, et cetera. But when you swipe, you're going to earn 1.5% back in Bitcoin. So you earn Bitcoin rewards with the card. So we think that's going to be a really unique way also of getting more traditional folks who are interested in the space 
using a product that they're comfortable with and have used in the past, uh, earning Bitcoin and then becoming right Bitcoin holders and effectively being, you know, introduced to the space in that capacity. Sure. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty cool product, and a lot of people or a lot of different companies are trying to move that direction. It's it's been pretty wild to see um, these tech companies issue credit cards um, and almost operate like a like they're heading towards a a bank like Apple with uh, their Apple Card. Um, yep, I think you're going to see most large companies integrate an element of fintech into what they do, right? There's going to be this, this verticalization play. What I mean by that is, um, you know, take like, an, take, take an example of like Home Depot, right? You can get a Home Depot credit card today, but what they, I would imagine companies like them are thinking about is let's create a Home Depot checking account, a Home Depot bank account, a Home Depot savings account, Home Depot lending program. They have a few of those things, but verticalize the financial, the financial stack into an offering that's under the Home Depot umbrella. And now every builder in America has a Home Depot bank account because they buy all their goods there and they get rewards for buying their goods there and they store their funds in it, right? Like those are like kind of the natural progressions I think you're going to continue to see. Apple did it with, you know, Goldman Sachs. There's a very long laundry list of companies that'll be doing this but you're going to consider to continue to see this over time. And I also think you might continue to see it in the crypto space, right? Ancillary crypto type players um, who, you know, maybe do things like provide a review site or a comparison site of, you know, hundreds of different coins. And that's what your business model is. Well, what's to say that they won't just operate and build wallet function technology and trading or buying technology and savings, and all that good stuff, because they already have the, the demand, right? Credit karma, just launched a savings product. I bet you nerd wallet's going to come out with a checking account or something along those lines, right? These are all things that we're going to continue to see, I think, over the course of the coming coming years. Yeah. Yeah. Cash app. Um, Cash app. Yep. Amazon. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then you're seeing like you're seeing like banking as a service technology is doing really well, right? The companies that actually power the banking apps right, for those businesses are, you know, exploding with growth. Because you get a, you get one cash app, right, that goes from zero to, you know, whatever, 10 million users in a couple of years. And all of a sudden, you know, if you're the infrastructure that's powering that tool and, you know, you're the bank charter, et cetera, that's like depositing and holding the assets, then you're, yeah, you're seeing some very, very, very serious growth. Yeah, it's... Oh man, it's it's just like hard to imagine where things are gonna go. I mean, the past ten years, things have moved so quickly. Um, most people operate uh, digitally; like very few people operate in cash. Um, and it almost seems like cash is kind of coming to an end, and we're moving entirely digital. Yeah. So yeah, yeah there, I mean, I mean especially a... in a post-COVID world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, COVID has just accelerated everything. Um, so from like, I don't, I don't know how much you can talk about it, but it, it, whenever there's a major, uh, shift, there's going to be establishment powers that are going to push back against it. Um, from a regulatory stance, do you think that, uh, BlockFi is safe or there are going to be challenges, um, 
coming? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, look, as a business, right, we're, we have a money services business license at the federal level, right? We have MTL licenses at the state level and lending licenses at the state level to do all of these practices, right? So we do, we, we have that, you know, uh, in stone. Um, you know, I think like regulation in this space is obviously a huge question mark, right? Because you have Bitcoin and some and Ethereum, uh, you know, bucketed as a commodity, right? Currency under the CFTC, and they're the futures or the derivative market for those two currencies are regulated by the CFTC, right? Um, but then you have the SEC, right, coming after some of the these other companies that are, uh, you know, issuing securities offerings or initial coin offerings that look like securities, and whenever you have something that falls under the securities bucket. That's SEC owned, right? So, you know, I think a lot of like companies out there are trying to navigate the waters uh, and making sure that they're protected or at least have right the uh, the the right framework to help regulators navigate and to be proactive versus an offensive versus defensive, right? Um, I think in any industry that's new within finance, you want to work with the regulators when they want to work with you and you want to help educate and help inform and help shape, right. How these, these operations uh, persist. Um, and so, yeah, you know, our, our general counsel comes from the traditional finance space. So he, he has, you know, his pulse on, on some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The regulators are uh, kind of scary, <laughs> but um uh, one of one of the regulations that has me kind of worried is this uh, this thing that's going around called the uh, uh, travel regulations. So the idea that uh, that could potentially make it illegal to sell self custody Bitcoin that you have to custody with only trusted trusted uh, regular or mm. um, what's the word registered registered parties. Mm. Um, so that's part of the reason why I'm hesitant to, you know, go all in on, on BlockFi is because if the regulators come out and say, hey, you guys can't allow withdrawals to unregistered wallets, um, that could potentially mean that, you know, my my Bitcoin is stuck and I can't self-custody it if I want to. So have you uh, have you heard anything about that? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good question. I, I definitely see kind of from your seat, right, how that obviously plays a massive role in any crypto company you decide to work with, right? Um, we today haven't done a whole lot of, you know, product development on self-custody yet. Uh, but, you know, these things are always in the back of our minds because we want to be able to support the entire crypto community, not just like newcomers or folks that, uh, you know, are comfortable with, you know, how we operate today. So, um, yeah, I don't have much on it now, but, you know, stay tuned. I'm sure there'll be some, some, uh, you know, ideas around how we operate that in that world. Sure. Yeah. And it's not a guarantee, um, that that will come, but, uh, it is the potential. And I think it's always important to just, um, for consumers to know where the risks are. And, and, you know, for a lot of people, I think it doesn't bother them. Um, this is kind of an issue that, that, uh, you know, kind of hardcore ideological people are worried about. 
um, because most yeah. people and like yeah. I was just gonna say to your point, like not your keys, not your crypto, and also like super deep DeFi folks. Um, you know, some DeFi folks will leverage our institutional desk to borrow Ethereum, right? So we can lend them Ethereum so that they can stake the Ethereum for DeFi projects. But yeah, not your keys, not your crypto. Uh, not a massive part of our of our demographic today. But mm -hmm. hopefully we can, you know, help help educate and or like create something for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the, one of the things I appreciate is about BlockFi is the educational aspect. So you guys have a, um, some platforms which you talk uh, Bitcoin and and uh, other stuff, uh, and you come in on this podcast is I think really really helpful for people to learn about the product. Um, yeah, uh, where where can people find um, good education on Bitcoin? in your opinion? I'm like a huge podcast person personally. So I think like there's a bunch of podcasts out there, including yours, you know, that I think are, are very valuable in terms of staying up to date with what's going on. Um, one of our investors is pump. He's got a great podcast. He's consistently interviewing people who uh, are, you know, leaders in the space uh, within different er elements of the space and understanding their perspective is super helpful. Um, you know, when I, when I can get, get my, uh, get some time to, to go through those. Um, I would say like our website resource center does a really good job kind of explaining how BlockFi operates within the space. And then our blog does a really good job of talking about, um, Bitcoin, just general crypto, Think about it as like a crypto one-on-one, like a Bitcoin one-on-one, um, as well as like what do, uh, you know, traditional or like, you know, subsets of the BlockFi customer, like how do they engage with BlockFi? Like why, right? I think some people it's, you know, crypto is obviously got to learn to understand crypto, but like why, you know, what's, what's the benefit of compound interest earning yield? Like what should you be thinking about in terms of goal setting or reasons for, you know, investing in the long term, like why is just general kind of wealth management, right? Uh, something that everyone needs to think about retirement, right? Inflationary hedges, like all these things I think are really important to understand um, as kind of a, a global picture. But yeah, for me, you know, it's, it's podcast is really my number one. Uh, and then, you know, educational content on, on our site, plus, you know, some of the you know, news outlets just to stay up to tune is, is helpful as well. Yeah. Yeah, podcasts are one of my favorite and why I started this because it's I've learned so much from Pomp and you know some of the other people in the space. You just get some of the smartest people out there to sit down and have an hour or so conversation. And it's just uh, I never had access to information. And a lot of people just don't read today. Um, mm. uh, yeah. So to be able to like listen while you're driving or, you know, when you're, when I doing the dishes or something like that. Um, so yeah. Uh, so you sent me a promotion that BlockFi is doing. So if you're, I'll, I'll have it in the, the show notes, but um, if you're interested in uh, signing up for BlockFi, uh, there's a promotion going on until October 31st. Uh, 
where you can, when you deposit uh, any amount of money with them, you'll get a certain amount back. So the more you deposit, the more you'll get back, obviously, but there's uh, different tiers. And if you click on the link, you'll see it. Um, BlockFi is oftentimes doing these different promotions, um, which I got to say, you guys are awesome at marketing. You guys are everywhere. Um, so <laughs> thanks, Ben. Appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, get the I get the Brave browser ads all the time. And, yeah, uh, yeah. The, we we work well with Brave. Um, got a bunch of YouTube and, and affiliate partners going live, like some big ones in the coming months. Um, you know, some other some other bigger, larger brand sponsorship stuff that um, you know we'll do some press releases on. So we're really excited. Things are moving in the right direction. Um, you know, we got a really great team. Uh, we've got a really good product, easy to use, adds a lot of value. And, uh, you know, I think we'll, we'll continue to, to push into, uh, you know, uncharted territories as we, as we innovate in the space. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you guys are going to do well because you have a awesome business model and there's a lot of like DeFi, you know, there's a lot of hype around it, but it can't really compete with, uh, um, I don't know. I just think it's a flawed idea right now, but uh, yeah. Uh, where, where can people find your work and, and kind of follow you? Yeah. I mean, best place to follow me is on Twitter. BlockFi Shane, S-H-A-Y-N-E. Um, I post some things there, retweet things I think are interesting. Um, feel free to also add me on LinkedIn. Happy to always you know answer any questions in mails, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, those are probably the two best places. Awesome. 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 Well, I appreciate you coming on Shane and, uh, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, man. It's been, uh, it's been great. I, uh, look forward to, to doing some more in the future and, uh, you know, best luck with everything on your side. Thanks. That was a fun interview and Shane's just really cool dude. And I was, glad to have him on the podcast but yeah uh it's important to be careful where you put your money uh, to take ownership over your money not just to trust these institutions because they've traditionally let us down uh i personally believe that BlockFi is a good company but before making a decision i'd highly encourage you to do your research uh and hopefully this podcast and interview is you know, a good place to start on your research of learning what BlockFi is. Uh, if you click on the link that I provided, it, it helps out the channel. Uh, you know, helps out too some blockchain, but you don't have to. But yeah, if you like what I'm doing, appreciate your support. And one of the best ways to support me is just get the word out there. Tell your friends, uh, like, subscribe, leave a review, comment, etc. Uh, that stuff really goes a long way to building. Um, uh, my my listener base and then also you can uh, support me on patreon or you can send me bitcoin um, but yeah thanks for stopping by